uh, welcome back to episode two of uh, Fireside Conversations. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we're back for one more week. Next week we're gonna be we're gonna be back at church, but we thought we would kind of continue this conversation on rhythms. I don't know when or if we'll do another Fireside Conversation after this. Never know. We'll see. Let us know your feedback if if this is helpful. Uh, but we're going to continue talking about rhythms, and today we're going to kind of dive into our ember practices or our ember rhythms, and uh, yeah, talk about rhythms through that lens. So if you don't know, can one of you describe what what is an ember? An ember? What is an ember? So yeah. an ember is the word that we... That's so mean, an ember. <laughs> well, I didn't know, I didn't know how, if you're going to finish that. Uh, an ember is the word that we use for what a lot of churches call members. Um, and they are the people that have committed to kind of own the mission of our church together. So we don't want to lead, you know, in isolation. This church is, is the people. And so embers are the people who have said, yes, I commit to jointly owning the mission of this church together. Um, so that means we make decisions together. We communicate things and... What am I missing? Oh, do the analogy of why embers. Why do we say embers? Spurgeon? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, you can go for it. No, go ahead. This is this dear. Oh, yeah, you... oh, so there's <laughs> Spurgeon. It was a pastor and a professor, and he was talking to a, a guy who was just struggling with his relationship with God, kind of having a lot of doubts. And his big doubt was, why do I need to be a part of a church, was his question. Mm-hmm. And as he's talking, Spurgeon is he tended to the fire and he took one of the log and separated the log from the from the fire and after their conversation they noticed that that log had uh, had gone out that there was no more fire and without saying anything the man looked at it and said point taken i'll see you on sunday and this idea that in order for our fires to continue to grow that we need to be together to form a fire. And so that's where embers comes from. Mm. And for people who are embers, awesome. Just a, our process of how one becomes an ember is, you know, if you're saying, hey, I want Fireside to be my home. Um, you know, if you've been with us for about three months, we would invite you to be on a team. And then once you're on a team, um, after three months of being on a team, we would invite you to be an ember. So there is a there is a process. And for those who are embers who are thinking, I want to be an ember, that's just kind of the roadmap because we want our embers to also be boots on the ground, that we are with, we're all yeah. chipping in doing this together. It's not just a piece of paper that I sign or a contract that I sign. It's that you have value and input because you're practically doing the work of God that Fireside is doing. And so you have insight in that. Yeah. And then we take you to the beach and you have to walk across the fiery coals. Exactly. It's always good. Exactly. (laughs) We don't do that. Uh, Yeah. So that is what being an ember is. And our our embers, we've kind of come up with five practices. We, We don't have... Some churches have like a, you know, different expectations of, of members. And, and we've kind of set it up with, we have kind of five practices or we're thinking of calling them rhythms now, fittingly. Um, five rhythms that is kind of the expectation that, that if you're an ember, you're trying to center your life around these five these five rhythms. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, we're trying to make space for God so that we can notice his presence, that we, that he can lead us. And so these are the five things that we want to do together to to do that, to make space for him to, mm-hmm. to show us our next step. Yeah. And ultimately, all these five rhythms help us to follow Jesus together, mm-hmm. which is our, our mission, mission statement, vision statement, yeah. whatever. Yeah. All that. So why don't we why don't we talk about each of these? Uh, Kate, do you just want to just tell us what the five yes rhythms are? Um, so the first, well, the five are generosity, community, rest, prayer, and scripture, which is kind of like time with God, mm-hmm. and service and hospitality, which we think of as making room for others mm-hmm. and serving others. Love it. So in the last. Uh, episode we kind of ended we were talking a lot about prayer and scripture so why don't we start when we start there mm-hmm. prayer and scripture a rhythm of 
being with God, intentional time with God. Um, yeah, kick us off. What is what does this look like for you? I guess, and what are some uh, things that this could look like, and why is it important? And I'm just gonna keep asking. I just asked like four <laughs> questions. Pick one. Um, <laughs> in order to live for God, you need to know God, right? In order to know God, you need to spend time with Him. And so a rhythm of intentional time with the Lord. I, I don't like this idea of just like being with God. A pet peeve of, of mine is when we pray like, Lord, just be here. I want to be like, He is here. He's here. <laughs> Maybe recognize that He's here, being intentional that He's here. Um, so like if, if you're married and your spouse, there's being with your spouse and then there's having time with your spouse, right? Like where you're intentional having a conversation and there's are times where you're just both like managing the house of what we're, there's a difference. So what we're talking about is this intentional time with the Lord, that there's a time in your daily life that you are spending time reading scripture, praying, um, some sort of all the above. Um, that's our hope. I think I think there's something so informative just in the way that you talked about that, that when we think about scripture and prayer, we're thinking about it in the lens of this is how we're spending time with God. And that's the ultimate purpose of this, that this isn't just about collecting information in our brains or going, mm -hmm. you know, praying some prayers to check some box mm -hmm. or, you know, I need to, I, I need to say these words in order to, you know, to be good with God or something, but that this is, our scripture is our access point to, mm -hmm. to know God and prayer is our, our access point to know God and to, and to be with him and commune with him. Um, and that that's the whole, the whole purpose of this. Mm, that's good. Mm -hmm. Kate, what, um, what are some things that, that this looks like for you or maybe some ideas of how someone could start a rhythm of this yeah i mean i think we talk a lot about so ideally we're trying to set aside a daily time like we think daily is is you know what's best and so coming up with a place and a plan for how you're going to spend time with god each day and then within that what that can look like is really huge really wide um for some people, that might be some sort of scripture reading plan um, that they're working through. Um, I, I shared earlier that for me, a daily walk where I'm using that time to pray and be with God is is a, a rhythm that I really love and enjoy. Um, I think even just being with God in silence, I know I've been talking with a lot of people in our church lately who are experiencing what it's like to just be with God without doing anything. And for most people, myself included, it's very weird and uncomfortable at first. And then you start to lean into um, some good things from that as well. Mm. Something for me that's that's become a staple lately has been journaling. Mm. Yeah. I, I have such a hard time just sitting still and trying to pray it's like my brain just won't do it but if i can if i write down things i can like kind of stay on track or writing scripture or, um yeah just kind of like pouring out my heart to god that way that that's been really really helpful for me i think in the silence thing something that i've been doing is visualizing what god says in his word mm -hmm. and so you know personally for me still struggling with the loss of our daughter and you know, God says that um, those who know him will be with him in paradise, and we have a picture of paradise. And so I said, Lord, you know, help me visualize what that looks like. And God is gracious in so many times to do that. Um, Lord, you promise comfort for the weary, right? And I am weary, Lord, like I receive your comfort right now. And so I think scripture and prayer go hand in hand because scripture right. gives us an explanation of who God is and what he can give. And the prayer is kind of like, you know, putting that in practice. Like this yes. is who I know who you, who you are. Yeah. So I'm, I'm asking for that. And so I, that's been really, really um, instrumental in my life as of late. I think that's huge that, that they go together and, and you, 
they they both really need each other. I think, mm. yeah. If you're if you're only just kind of reading scripture on this like head level, and you're never coming to right. God in prayer, you're just you're not gonna have that relationship. But if you're only, you know, praying and you never read the Word, it, there's such a, a substance that's lost, and I think it's so easy to just get, you know. I think eventually you end up more praying to yourself than yeah, right, than right. God. Um, well, I, I, mean, I love that when First Peter says like, "Cast all your anxiety on Him yeah. because He cares for you." And this word "cast" is kind of like a violent term. Yeah, like it's like throw it. It's like throw it, chuck it at God, yeah. like as hard as you can. And yeah. and and He is the best catcher. There is an analogy of like um, to, uh, a pitcher who's really wild and uh, a catcher baseball. And this is one of the best baseball catchers ever. And the guy's like, well, what if I miss? And he says, you have a really good catcher. He'll catch everything. And God is the best catcher there. Yeah. And so I, I I visualize that and like, all right, I'm feeling anxious, Lord. And I'm just going to just vomit all this <laughs> to you, Lord. I'm going to throw this at you because I know that you care for me. And then I just visualize him like just taking it. It's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. And that doesn't mean my circumstances change. It means my perspective changes. Mm. yeah that's good that's good i i think i went through like a a big season a few years back of just like this is just really about it it was really about like getting in the word and knowing god and knowing what his word says and that was like what my whole time with god centered around and that was a really uh impactful time and i think i felt like a shift in the last maybe year or so or I've just felt God leading in me into like that, you know, casting everything on him. And, uh, and now like the, I still read scripture in the morning, but like the, the centerpiece of my time is just this, like trying to pour out my heart to God. And, and I, I think there are like, there are seasons like that, um, of like more of one or more of the other, but they both mm. need each other. Mm. Um, all right, cool. Why don't we, uh, why don't we hit, um, do we want to hit community? Mm. We can go to community. Community, a rhythm of real relationships. Yeah, I feel like, you know, a big one here is that we may feel like we have people in our life or we're with people a lot, but people don't really know us. I feel like that's like a common disconnect of like, if only people knew the real me or, or I feel like nobody wants to know the real me or being in, being in relationship at arm's length. And so what we're talking about here, I think is a lot of like having people really know you and positioning yourself in a place where that can happen, which is not Mm. easy. Right. One of the uh, firesides, one of the main things why we, uh, we felt God calling all of us to, to form Fireside was that just need for real relationships, that we believe that relationships are key to formation, to discipleship, to everything. And we provide programs, but the programs are to establish relationships. And I believe that when we are in true relationship, like you have the body of Christ, right? We, the body of Christ and what Paul says is you have like a, you know, you maybe have a hand, your head, and we all play different parts of the body. But if you're a hand and you're just a hand, you're incomplete. In order to become whole, you need to come together. And so we believe that relationships is the way that God moves, the way that God can reveal himself, you know, um, the the way that God can show us love, um, show us belonging, show us, you know, um, provisions. Um, It's just a a beautiful thing. So we really believe that people should be in relationships. And one thing that we realized at Fireside is that we want real relationships, and those do take time. Those do take time, and there is a vulnerability to that as well. Like if anyone steps into an environment that Fireside creates and they're new, it's a scary thing, right? But I just want to encourage people that what we've seen is it takes about six to 12 months for people to actually go from just being showing up to, to being a part of and having real relationships. And so uh, just keep showing up, I guess is my big encouragement. Yeah. I, I think, 
I mean, loneliness is so mm. common, and I think, I think, I think a lot of people feel the, the feeling of not feeling like they have mm. many friends or a lot of friends, and I, I think, I just, I want to like, almost like normalize that because yeah. I think that can feel like such a, like man, I'm such a loser. Like I don't, um, and I think today it's it, it's like very hard to to find those real relationships. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have heard this idea of like third places, but there's this idea in sociology of like your first place is like your home and your second place is work or school if you're a student. And then your third place is like these other places for community. And there's been a lot of studies of like these third places are dwindling and dwindling um, with the way our culture is going, that there just aren't as many, especially post-COVID, of these third places. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you just you think about that, and then you think about even people's work. A lot of people are working from home, and then you're just – it's like when are you around people? When are you interacting with people? And so I think the 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 hope, and I think, you know, part of the design of the, the church is for the church to – to be that, to be a place mm-hmm. where we can be known, be loved by people, and uh, yeah, really grow in that relationship. I think we're always kind of holding a tension as a church community where we want to create a lot of opportunities for people to connect and be together, and we also don't want to, we also don't want the connection to exist only because of kind of programs and and organized things and so we're just always holding that tension of like not wanting to have so many things I don't know if you ever felt like that where you're like I have so many things I have to do that I can't actually spend time with the people I need to spend time with and we don't want that but we also want to have lots of on ramps for people to get to know each other so you'll you'll probably notice that like in our calendar year at fireside there's places where Mm -hmm. we're heavy on on ramps and then there's places where we kind of let go and say like be with be with the people that you know now go you know do something outside of these programs i think we do that we like we we can compartmentalize relationships where it's like these are like my Hmm. these are my work friends or these are my school friends or these are my like you know church i just i just see these people when i do this activity Mm. and i think like what our encouragement would be like you know don't have church friends like right, let, right. like yes. let let those people into yes. into other areas of your life um because that's that's what we all need yeah 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 that's good awesome all right let's hit generosity mm. generosity a rhythm of generosity uh i think that generosity is can look in terms of um, mainly financial but also your time Um, the way that we position it is financial and this is not a plea for uh, the church wanting money or people's money this is not what this is is that when you are a generous person and however you define that and you are free to give the blessings that God has given you financially, you are showing God that I am not worried about this. You know, I think that we, uh, what we have written down here is to, to cultivate a life of freedom from worry about money and the preoccupation with possessions mm. through generosity and simplicity. And I think that's such a beautiful way of saying it. So when anyone starts to give at Fireshed, and I don't know who gives, but sometimes, you know, uh, those who do know will say, hey, just so, so-and-so starting to give as like a good step. It's not like, oh, good, our, our budget's going to increase. It's like, no, yeah. this person is saying, Lord, I'm willing to trust you in this area of my life. And I truly believe that when we step that to that faith, to, when we take that step of faith of trusting, that you will receive a blessing. Now, that breath blessing may not be like, I'm going to win the lottery or win more money. And it, that blessing may be in terms of sacrifice. But sacrifice can be a blessing in itself. And when we look at like generosity, I think we, we have to take a step back of like just the idea of giving. Because a lot of times generosity is like, 
you know, I will give out of my overflow. I will give over, like, let me make sure we're good, and then I'll give on top of that. And that's just wrong, right? If one, you'll never get there. <laughs> and two, that's not biblical. It's a percentage, right? It's a percentage of what God is asking us to give. So I think that the God, Jesus talks about money the second most thing he talks about in any other thing. Number one, it's the kingdom of God. Number two is money. So we got to look into that. And I think he knows that it's an enslavement for people. And he's trying to free us from that, not um, guilt us, you know, if that makes sense. I think a lot of these things, we are pushing back on the culture that is shaping us. And so, you know, Connor, you mentioned loneliness with relationships. That's the air we breathe or individualism, maybe, you know, like yeah. independence. Um, yeah. And this one is is very true, is like our culture is telling, is giving us kind of this scarcity yes. picture of like, you're not going to have enough. Um, it's giving us a lot of worry and fear about the future and what we need and what we think we need. And so all of these practices, but like for this specifically, you know, to have a life of freedom from worry means like generosity is our path to that of to yes. push back on this idea of like what I what I think I need in order to have a good life and um you know when Jesus talks about the abundant life it's it's not in the ways that we think at first of how to get there and this is one of those mm. too I but. love that like framing of these rhythms of like a rebellion yeah against the yeah it's the John Tyson Beautiful resistance. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 I love in, in, in Matthew, he, Jesus gives this teaching of like, don't store your, you know, where do you store your treasures are? You store your heart, that kind of yeah. idea. And no one can serve two masters. You'll either serve God or you'll serve money, right? And it's a hard teaching, really, right? Because we feel like, well, like, I, I need to, like, pay attention because I need to live, right? And that's true. But right after that, the next thing he says is, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. And he kind of goes into that because you can almost envision those listening be like, OK, I'm not supposed to worry about my money, but but I need money. Right. And so what do I do? Right. He says, don't worry about it. And I think a lot of us have to define what need is. You know, like, what do I need, right? Yep. And so, and I'm not here to tell you what you need. I think that's a process that each individual person needs to go through. You know, people say, well, I don't have enough money for whatever. And it's like, well, what is it? And it could be, you know, well, I need this many cars. We need this vacation. We need this house. We need these camps. We need this clothes. And the list goes on and on and on. And so you just have to define what need is. So God didn't say, don't worry about, you know, he said, don't worry about your clothes, but he wasn't specific on what kind of clothes, right? <laughs> you know, and yeah. so I think that we say, well, no, we need this. And so I just want to encourage people, you know, because I, I get this a lot as a pastor and they say, we just don't have enough money. And then honestly, my judgment, judgmental heart is like, I look at their life. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're doing blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm working on myself for that. But it's just this more of this, like, no, like, you know, um, God is going to take care of you. And maybe the things that you feel like you need are actually things that God doesn't want to give you because he knows that that's pushing you farther from him, you know? And, yeah. um, I get passionate about this because I think in our society, in our culture, this is the thing that I think people are enslaved to the most. Yeah. We all, I think we all feel like we're living from a place of lack Yes, and we are, I mean, if you look at the, the chances of us being born in this country in this time, like we are better off than mm. the vast majority of people who have ever existed in humanity. Right. Like how long have we even had running water? You know, it's, mm. we think about all the things that we think about as needs. And, and yeah, I mean, maybe it sounds cliche, but I always think of, about this idea of like, you know, if we believe that, like every good gift is from God. Like everything is ultimately from him. And there are people in the world who, you know, have so little are, are just hoping for another meal in three days. Um, don't have a place to lay their head. And then for me to go like, I deserve more than you've already given me God. Like it, it's just always been this, um, this reset of like, 
yeah, just how can I live from this place of gratitude and like everything mm-hmm. you've given me is is such a gift instead of focusing on all the, all the things I don't I don't have. Yeah, I preached on this a few weeks ago, the difference between a gift and something that we expect, right? A gift is a good gift from God is just that. Like we don't deserve it. It's not owed to us. It is a true gift. If it's something that was owed to us, that's payment, right? Like you were good, here you go. And when you start viewing anything that you classify as a good gift, your heart of gratitude increases. Like I don't I don't deserve this. This is amazing. Thank you for this good gift. But so many of us, and myself included, say, I deserve this or I expect this, and that's when you go to a bad place. And I believe that our gratitude then gives us more of a generous heart, you know, as well. And this idea of, you know, where it says, um, I think Paul, is it, is it Peter or Paul that says uh, uh, God loves a, a, a cheerful giver? Yeah. And that word cheerful means hilarious, a hilarious giver. And, yeah. I, and I love that. It's almost like it doesn't make any sense. Like I almost want to laugh about it that, you know, the more I give, it doesn't make sense. And you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. Well, I think, I mean, just hearing you say that, I feel like for us personally and as a church, that is how it feels. It's almost like to see this is what this is what we're talking about when we say freedom is like to see God provide like just take fireside for example like not ever has it ever made sense not from day one Mm -hmm. of like we have always had what we needed to do what he was asking us to do every single time without question in almost like hilarious ways like truly and so that just does something to you that it's it that's that's where that freedom comes from is because you're just like what this and, doesn't make any sense and i mean it yeah. i just think it changes everything it does even in the a, way he provides and the way you know both the way we give and the way he provides mm-hmm. does not make any sense and that's like yeah and when you get into those positions of like reliance you will see god's faithfulness which would make you more reliant on him mm-hmm. it's unbelievable and I feel like oftentimes our safety net is our own like success, like I need. And if you want to like trust in God, God may put you in a place where you have no choice but to trust in him. And um, yeah. 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 And I think we were talking about this the other day, Andy, like the concept of a tithe and is this yeah. You know, is this like part of the law? Are we still held to the tithe? And it's like when Jesus talks, it's like, if anything, it's it's more. Right. And so I think like I think ten percent I think it's a it's a tremendous uh like place to start. Mm-hmm. But I think if like yeah, well you're talking about that, being in those spots of like reliance, it's like if ten percent feels really I don't wanna speak out of turn, but I I mean, if 10% feels really good, like maybe the number should be more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, ask God about that. Don't take that ask from me. God. But, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. All right. Uh, yeah. There's so much to talk about this. Yeah, about yeah we could go on and on. Let's move on to uh, service and hospitality. Mm-hmm. So service and hospitality, a rhythm of serving and making room for others. Kate, you want to? Set this one up. Yeah, I feel like I at the beginning we used to use that analogy a lot of Thanksgiving dinner of the idea that when we come together as a church or just thinking about our church community that we wanted to feel like Thanksgiving that both in ways that you're a part of the family and there's something for everyone to do. And there's a piece of serving that I think is like it's not always like, oh, I feel so called to peel potatoes or I feel this is like what I was made for. There's some parts of serving, especially when you think about like Sunday mornings or things that are like, you know, is it anybody's calling to set up chairs specifically? Is anyone like gifted in that? There's just sometimes there's things that are part of like, I'm going to contribute because this is what it looks like to be a part of the family. This is what it looks like to be a part of the church. So there's that aspect of serving. There's also this piece of like, 
that God has given people specific gifts to serve the church. And so those are unique to you. Those are, we are not us without you. We cannot be what he is fully calling us to without those things in play. And so there, there are those pieces too, of having people learn what those are and have God reveal those. Um, I think sometimes those are things that we don't naturally feel like we are good at, but that God shows up and does things in us, um, in supernatural ways. And then the hospitality piece of this is kind of like for people who are not per se part of the family who, you know, are, are new to Fireside or they're, they, they don't have a lot of relationships. How do we love them well? And how do we bring others in? And I feel like, I don't know if there was one thing that our church was just kind of born to do from the beginning. It was, it might be this, like Mm -hmm. people just have been really, amazing in bringing others in and yeah. loving them yeah. and caring about who they are. And, um, yeah. So mm. those are things I think about. I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, you hear people ask why, um, why did you make fireside your home? Right. And I want to say, well, cause the preaching is fantastic and it's amazing <laughs> or the music is top notch, <laughs> but we get most of those, like, you know, people welcomes me. You know, people said hi to me, and I felt like this was a place where people truly cared. And I do think that's the most amazing thing. You can go online and you can listen to albums and preachers and stuff like that, but I think that that is such a key part. You cannot replace, you know, community and all that um, artificially online, in, in, in my opinion, to the degree you can in person. And I also think, like, what Kate was saying, Thanksgiving dinner, like, we don't want to be a restaurant where people just come and consume or we just pay staff to serve people. That's a being in a restaurant and being in someone's home are very two different feelings. A restaurant is something that you check in and you check out. A home is something that is a home and we want fireside to be a home. And I truly believe that when you serve, you benefit more than those you serving or benefiting. The mm-hmm. server benefit. I truly believe that because you are are actively participating in building God's kingdom, yes. and it's amazing. Um, I used to lead short term mission trips, and I know that's a whole like thing, but. Um, Easily, we could spend the money to hire workers. And in most cases, maybe you should. But there's something about I am participating in building this. And you just and you benefit more than that because I am actively participating in that. And so that's how we believe Fireside um, is the direction that God has called us to lead Fireside, that everyone's a participant. Mm-hmm. And if you participate, now you are part of. And when you're part of something... You belong to something, and that's what we're made for, is to be belonging to the body of Christ. Yeah, you were talking about the body earlier, and and Paul goes into that, 1 Corinthians 12. Yeah. And this idea that like in the church, we all we all play a different role. We're, we're all like a different part of the body. And you know, you talk sometimes about that, like people being like, oh, do you need me? Mm. Do you need me for this? And it's that, that idea of like, well... I could find, I, I might be able to find someone else to do this task, right. but if you're not a part of our community, like we're missing a foot or That's we're right. missing a hand. That's right. And I think like, you know, you, you don't want to, I'm not trying to like guilt people. You don't want to guilt people with this, but there is an aspect to like, our church won't be the same without you, yes. uh, whoever you are. And, and the more like every person in our church who who can use their gifts and and be a part like it just strengthens what Mm -hmm. we can do for for god's kingdom and it's not it's not on just a a a couple people Mm -hmm. it's so much less effective if it's on a couple people but if um yeah and i i just hope that that people can can feel that uh feel like they have those opportunities to to use their gifts Mm mm-hmm And part of, I mean, to use the restaurant versus a home analogy, part of all of this is there, there's probably like a clunkiness that comes with it. There's probably like, you know, I I don't think we're aspiring to be like this well-oiled machine. We're not, you know, like in terms of like performance based kind of things that 
you know, we're including people in ways that may you you think about sitting down in someone's home and people are running around and and that's kind of part of it. So we're kind of accepting those things as part of it in a good way. Um, it maybe sometimes in, in sacrifice of the actual task. Mm -hmm. It's like the relationships and the people that are in it are worth, you know, not that we're not trying to do a good one job. Of, but. I, I know this sounds very weird, but one of my favorite parts about Sunday is at the very end, I often will say, and could you help us clean up? And then just watching everyone pick up and stack their chairs. And I know that sounds weird. Like, why is that your favorite part? I look out and I see all these people who were just sitting there listening. Now they're actively like cleaning up, participating. And I'm like, look at this family. Everyone's pitching. And look at our family. Like Saturdays are cleaning day. And we're like, all right, we're all going to clean the house, right? It would be a much easier and more efficient way if Kate and I just shipped them off and said, we're going to clean. But it's like, no, we are all part of this house and we're all going to uh, contribute. And it's such a beautiful picture of look at all these mm -hmm. people who are, are part of this and contributing to this. Sometimes you have like first time visitors that they're doing that. And maybe they've never been a part of a church experience, but here they are contributing as simple as stacking a chair. I just, I always get so blown away by that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, what you were saying, Kate, of, of like this idea of like, we're not, it's not about like entertaining or like creating mm. this. I, I think about that all the time with, with like worship, like leading worship, like we are not, we're not just trying to like entertain people. And and sometimes I, I think people are like, oh, worship music is like kind of boring. And it's like, mm. yeah, worship music can be kind of boring if you're, if you're watching it. And if mm. we were trying, like, trust me, if we were trying, if our goal was to entertain, like we could be more entertaining. <laughs> like, <laughs> We have a yeah. we have a lot of talented people, but we're we're trying to do something together. We're trying to worship God right. together, and, and and when you're when you're worshiping God, it's not yeah. it's not boring. And when we're we can participate in this thing together, um, mm. yeah, just I love that. It's such a beautiful picture. Mm. Yeah, and the pushback is you know our culture is like the consumer culture that's literally again like we can't not breathe that air and so this is pushing mm. back on this and saying we're gonna we're gonna change that up here mm. we're gonna push back sometimes on. i feel like gladiator and be like are you not entertained <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> well and too like i'm i'm like our worship leader but there's so many times like i'm you know some of our mornings can be a little hectic and mm. i may not be in the best you know, headspace sometimes and I'm, I'm leading whatever song and, uh, you know, maybe I mess up a note or something and I'm just not in it. And then I'll open my eyes and I'll, someone will catch my eye who's just really like giving their all to mm. the Lord. And it always like brings me back. And it's like, man, that person just led me in worship. Mm, that's cool. And yeah, mm. we, we, we need everyone. That's good. Mm-hmm. What are some things, I, I think service and hospitality is like, when I look at some of the other ones, like a rhythm of, you know, time with God or a rhythm of generosity, the rhythm is maybe a little more obvious, but what would some rhythms of service and hospitality look like? I mean, one recently we just kind of put out a little thing to embers about like everybody in the next couple of weeks, we don't, or months, we don't have fireside tables. Um, have someone over that has never eaten dinner at your table, you know, like mm -hmm. practicing bringing others in starts at your own table and having someone over. Mm -hmm. That's a really simple way of like just someone that's never been to your house for dinner before. And another one is being on a team. We, we have a team system. I think it's, a, I, I will brag on our church that we have over a hundred people in teams and they do kids, they do welcome, they do clean up. And I just think that's the most beautiful thing. And, and I love that because now my kids know about 100 people, right, in our, in our church. And um, it's this idea that, you know, everyone is doing everything together. It's not just a few doing a, doing a lot, which is, you know, what is it, the 80-20, that 20 does 80% of the... Yeah. Um, and we're trying really hard not to be that church. And a lot of people with the church culture, when we ask about a team, they're always hesitation, like, oh, no, what do you want me to volunteer? And it's like, 
this is a yes or no thing. This is not like, where do you want to volunteer? It's like, are you in or you're not? If you're in, we're all in doing the same thing. No, there are other kind of places, areas like a kid director or different teams, generosity team in addition to teams, right? But I I love that. So I, I would say that's a huge first step. And a lot of people... We try to create it in a way that works with families and people and all that stuff to to, to make it work. But um, I think a team is a practical step. And if you're like, hey, this team isn't enough and I just really have a desire to lift things <laughs> up and put them down, you can join Mikhail and Mike Doucette. Oh, us out God. in the mornings at 8 a.m. Yeah. Uh, all right, we have one left, which is a good follow-up after serving. And we've talked about all these different rhythms that we should have in our life and things we should be doing. Uh, and the last one is rest, a rhythm of rest. Mm. Actually, so Kate, I would ask, what's the difference between rest and like laziness? Because I think sometimes in our culture, right, we get that like, you know, you're lazy. And it's like, no, there is a difference. So I would love to hear Kate's thoughts on the difference between that. The lazy place. Um, maybe are you thinking to like rest or recreation of like, you know, rest isn't isn't just like not doing something. Well, right. I, let me like give you some background. Like I, I've heard this multiple times, but specifically someone... Uh, not too long ago came up to me and was bragging about how busy they were. And they were talking about, I'm crushing it. I'm killing it. And they were just talking about how busy they were and how that was producing a career success. And I think that the culture is wants to applaud that like look at you go get them go do it da, 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 da. no you know no nights off kind of thing personally God has done a work with me where I just felt sad for them and I just felt sad and I think that our culture would view my sadness as well you're lazy you're not working hard enough you're not getting at it you know you're not reaching your potential right so there's a balance there does that make sense? Well, if someone came up to you and they were like, man, I am crushing it. I am spending every penny that comes my way. I'm just I'm spending all of it. You, yeah, you'd right. be like, you're crazy. What are you doing? Right. But with time, we we don't think like that. And we're right. you know. Hmm. Well, and this is this is the countercultural pushback too, of like, you know, we're not gonna play that game. We're not gonna glorify busyness. For the sake of just, mm-hmm. we're not doing that. We're not going to applaud that. We are going to push back on this kind of urgency and frantic pace. And um, even at the expense of what we think, how how we would think it would impact our outcomes, our, our productivity. You know, again, kind of like the generosity conversation. It's like, there's that trust piece of like, if I stop, what will happen? Mm. And whether that's work or you know, it, it could be anything that you're kind of asking that question of, mm. but like making space for God to show up in the gap of when you stop. And I, I feel like that spiritual piece of looking at your time and saying like, what happens when I do nothing? Well, God, God keeps working. Mm. And, and it's very clear of who's responsible for those results versus mm oh, this was me because I just worked around the clock for seven days straight or whatever it is. I think we should start off with a baseline that everyone has a lot going on in their schedule right now. Yes. And there is this comparison of, well, no one's as busy as me. I, I really, another pet peeve of mine is when people say, I'm just really busy. And it, I just, I think like, well, yeah, you have a lot on your schedule, as does the majority of people who are listening to this right now. So I just want to, anyone who's listening to this, know that this is not a, a, a matter of your your how full your schedule is. You know, I believe that resting, and specifically a Sabbath, a long period of time, whether it's a day, a half a day, or an hour, let's say, but I think we should say a day during the week, you should shut it down and have a different day than the other six days. And that day should be restful. Now we can define what that looks like in many ways. And if you 
are thinking here, that is impossible for me in my schedule. I just want to say that I don't believe that's biblical because what you're saying is what God says I should do. I don't believe you're like, say, Oh God, like, no, God knows. And so, um, earlier we talked about subtraction and addition and all that. It's like, maybe it's prioritizing time. There's a holy thing, but I just want to say like, everyone's got a lot going on, but that doesn't give you an excuse because if we don't rest when like God wired us, he knows us. The Bible is kind of like this instruction manual, how we live our life. And he's saying your body requires a weekly rest. That's how I created you. And if you don't do that, well, you're going to not operate as you should. And then we get like, we don't, and we're like, what's going on? And a question I ask people is like, well, what does your Sabbath look like or your rest look like? And they're like, well, I don't do that. I don't have time for that. I'm like, well, you need to make that because that's how you're instructed to do for your benefit to operate maximum capacity. I mean, I'm the worst at that with my my oil in my car. It says suggested 3,000 miles. I mean, I take it to 5,000 miles all the time before I get an oil change. You know what I mean? And I will have like, not recently, but earlier in my life, they would say, if you don't follow these, your your car is going to break down. And do you want to get stuck on the highway with a broken down car? So, sorry, I just want to say the a baseline because I know oh, people that's are good. That. Yeah, I mean, God God created the earth in six days. He worked for six days, and then he he rested. Um, and I think, and, and then that's the the commandment that's given is to is to have that six days of work and, and rest that, that rhythm. And I think it was John Mark Comer who said, you know, when we, he's like, you know, we can debate, like, do you have to Sabbath or do you not have to Sabbath? But if you don't Sabbath, you're, what do you say? You're like going against the grain of the universe. Like, Mm -hmm. and to your point of like this idea of like, I just don't have time to do that. I can't do that. It's like, if God can afford to Mm -hmm. rest, like, then who are you? Like, what are you in charge of, you know? And, uh, yeah, let, let's talk more about like Sabbath and what Sabbath looks like. Cause I think that's, you know, I think people expect at church to be told they should read their Bible. They should mm. pray. They should serve others. Um, but oftentimes when we start talking about Sabbath, I just get people being like, Oh, I, that's crazy. Like, and what, what we're saying is that like, once a week we should have a a day where we don't work and a day of rest um which might sound insane to some people and like how could i ever do that so what what is the sabbath what is that what does that look like how do we use that day i mean again i asked you like eight <clears throat> questions so pick one yeah no i i think I think it's a little trickier than it sounds in some ways, because in some ways it's very simple. Like it's a day of rest, right? And um, you know, there's there's like a few things you can filter your day through. Like it, traditionally, like worship is a part of your Sabbath. So so for a lot of people, if Sunday's their Sabbath, they start the morning together as a church, and that that makes sense. You're you're stopping from working or producing. I think a good question is like. Um, Am I trying to get ahead in some way? So whether it's housework or emails or just anything that you feel like is on your list of things that you have to do, if you're trying to get ahead, that's a that's a good filter question to ask. Um, but then in addition to like stopping things, then you're kind of like, well, what do I do with this time? And I think that's where... You know, truly, we we have wrestled through mm. Sabbath. We have argued about Sabbath. We have, I mean, same. It's it's <laughs> it's it's hard because you're kind of looking at it through like, okay, what do I want to do to rest? What do I need in order to have this like dreamy day off? And it can it can end up being a little bit messed up in the, you know, in a, in a selfish way of like, this is what I need to do on my Sabbath and. Um, really it's kind of like, it's a day that you're stopping, that you're resting with God. You're, you still are loving your people and being present with them. And, um, so I guess, I guess I'm saying I don't have a, a, a really easy answer for what you should do, but, um, I think, um, I think thinking about your, 
your time and space and stage and season and looking at what would it look like to kind of stop from my routine and take some time to mm-hmm. to kind of be with my be, to be present with God and 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 your people is a good mm. a good start. I mean, when I started Sabbathing, I think the first thing I realized was I was like, man, I don't really know how to rest. I know how to like watch Netflix and like right. waste time, but really, when like this, like finding things that are truly like restful and rejuvenating and like there's an element of like delighting in God and, and worship. And, um, you know, this can look like a lot of things, but yeah, I think I just, I'm like, man, I really don't, I really don't do this. And I think we think we're resting a lot, but we're really just, you know, vegging out or, or whatever. Like checking out. If you look at like, you know, when Jesus was around the Sabbath, like there was a ton of like legalism there, right? Of what you can and can't do. But yeah, the heart of it was like they would get together and they would eat and family would come together and there would be this community aspect. And so I know for some of you introverts, you're thinking that is the opposite of what I want to do, right? But it's a different day. It's a I don't want to say it's a day of celebration, but it's a day where that's different. And it stems from when, you know, when the Jews were freed from slavery, they worked seven days a week, hard labor, building for the Egyptians. Nonstop. Nonstop. And so God's like, hey, take a day off. This was like counterculture to their culture, you know, thousands of years ago. And so I think it's counterculture to us. So like it involves intentionality. And so Kay and I are still figuring it out big time, but... You know, one thing is, okay, I'm good with like maybe not checking emails and all that and and not doing that. And as a pastor, it's really hard to define, well, what's work and what's not, right? Um, But I do know cleaning my leaves is not something I want to do, right? And so we are intentional about our Saturdays being our days where we prepare for our Sundays. And so our Saturdays, we do our yard work, we do all of our laundry, we do a big clean inside the house. And that will uh, that cleans the house that we will live in in the next day. A lot of times on Sundays, we'll like have people over, the kids will have friends over or something like that. When the weather's nice, we'll maybe do a hike. Maybe there's a movie that we'll watch intentionally. Um, there's a football season going on that kind of messed up. Like, what does that look like? You know, it it's just an intentional time where you said, I'm going to do today differently in a restful way. And I, I think we can go all day and give suggestions of what that would look like, what rest looks like. That commercial with like, I forget, it's like uh, some kind of baby product where it says parents have no days off, right? Like you're still going to parent and there's still, you still got to eat, you know, you still got to cook. Like there's hard things that still have to happen, but just how you do them, what you're, you know, I know some people who they get takeout once a week and they get takeout on Sundays. So they don't have to do that. Um, And that's a treat. But if you're getting takeout like four other times during the week, it's not a special thing, right? So your rest day, your Sabbath day, um, all the days impact it, if that makes sense. You know, that's, that's a huge thing. And I think the intentionality of the day before and the other days are like, it's not going to go well. If you don't have that. I think that's why we talk about rhythms of work and rest. Because it's kind of like feasting and fasting. It's like you can't really feast if you never fast. You can't really rest if you don't work, if there's nothing to rest from. So you're working hard and that is what's setting you up well. Like that Saturday that Andy's talking about to do like, like when he says all the laundry, it's like all the laundry in our whole house gets done in one day. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of a lot like, but there's yeah. some pieces of that that are like, oh, this is, this is like exciting. Cause we're going to, we're going to set ourselves up to not and, have to And do if there's anything. a Saturday where we know we're not going to be around, we do it Friday. Like we still yeah. like yeah. are intentional uh, about it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think too, like I, we've been trying to be intentional with Sabbath for maybe like three, four years now. And I feel like I would say like, I wouldn't say like we've been doing Sabbath for four years, but I would say like we've been failing at Sabbath for four four years. And so I I think like there, 
with any of these things, there can be like a legalism that that creeps in or like I'm not. And I think it's just like I think trying to move towards towards these these rhythms. um, Yeah, and some some of the like we do the same thing. We try to like get all our laundry done and get all you know any housework done on Saturday. And I say try, right? And then you know I'll most weeks like I have. I really try to get everything prepared for Sunday morning before Sunday morning, but there's somewhere I'm like typing in the slides on Sunday morning before church. And it's, it always like sets up my day worse. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, after church, we do uh, take out on Sundays so we don't have to cook. And then we eat, we put Zion down for a nap and then we're kind of like, we kind of all have nap time and Liz does her introvert thing and I do my thing and, um, and then we, we come together and mm. try to spend some time together. And, uh, you know, but as I'm talking about this, like this, this weekend's weird cause it's Christmas mm-hmm. and it's like, we have a service on Saturday. We're recording this before. Um, and we're going to be traveling on Sunday. So I'm like realizing now as I'm talking to you guys, I'm like, we have not thought through how we're going to effectively do that this weekend, but I guess it's a process. Yeah. Well, I- I mean, like when you're on vacation, right? You're going to be in Florida and family. It's like that it's is part true. of a rhythm of yeah. like your Sabbath or rest is lasting for five days. Yeah. It's very, very different. And I think that the pull is legalism, you know, like, but I honestly, right now I'm going to be honest, like maybe we need a little legalism in our life <laughs> like, in terms of like, there are times where I see laundry that we haven't put away that's clean on a Sunday and I'm like... Everything is like trying to like just just put that away, and I just won't out of principle. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but there's a discipline there, um, and they're gonna be. That's sabbat- my kind of discipline, the discipline <laughs> to not do laundry. <laughs> um, but it's just an intentional day, to, um, the best that you can. And I I just feel like Jesus says like a Sabbath is for man, not man for Sabbath. Right? It's like it's for us. It's, it's a for gift. us. It's for us. It's a gift. And, and when you picture that, like, thank you for this gift. And would you just receive it? I think that's the Just receive the gift. You have permission to take a day off. Um, yeah. yeah. Final thoughts, guys? Any, any final thoughts? I just was thinking when you guys were just talking, it's like this is kind of why all these rhythms are meant to be done in community with each other because there's just a lot that we could – learn and like I feel like I've had a lot of really good conversations with with you guys or with whoever about like what do you what are you doing like this was a disaster when we tried this for Sabbath or you know any part of this like I hey I'm just starting to think about like giving and this feels really scary that the reason that these are not individual practices alone is because we want to do these together. So we are all kind of looking around saying like, hey, we're all doing this and we can all figure it out together, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think it all comes back to our our mission statement, follow Jesus together. And that's not this like, you know, uh, perfect polished. Mm. Right. Oh, we're all marching in line perfectly. <laughs> right. It's more like a exactly stumbling yes. and helping each other up and then falling <laughs> down ourselves. And it's uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to know that I think Mark Batterson says, if God guides you, he'll provide for you. Mm. And I think all these things, I will be honest, it seems unrealistic, you know, giving, you know, serving, resting, like all these things. And I'm, you know, as we are your pastors, this is what God has guided us to in living a life. And I, I truly believe through what I've experienced that God will also provide these things. You know, if he's guide us to, he will provide us through. He just will, you know. So yeah, that's just my, my encouragement. Yeah, there's a there's a faith element to yes. every single one of these. They they Absolutely. they're a test of faith. Mm. Yeah. Everyone. Mm. Well, uh we just uh we thank everybody for listening and I just encourage you as you're as you're reflecting as you're thinking to be thinking about these uh these rhythms these practices generosity service and hospitality community prayer and scripture and rest and uh as you're taking stock of uh 
of your lives be being thinking about, you know, what are my rhythms in these areas? What kind of rhythms can I cultivate in these areas? And again, you know, share, share them with someone in a, yeah. Well, we hope you have a, have a great rest of the week and we'll see everybody on uh, Sunday, January 7th. We're back. That's right. Yep. We're back January 7th. So we hope you had a, had a great vacation and we'll see you then. Bye.